and welcome to Not Safer Weaves. My name's Chris. Douse yourself in water and repent. What's your name? <laughs> uh, my name is Emma. Emma Fife. Yes. Yes. A- and how do people know you and your work? Well, listen, Chris. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I started off really honestly as a Sailor Moon podcaster. Mm. That was kind of my intro uh, into the world of broadcasting, and then branched out, got and involved with uh, AfterBuzz TV, and moved on to Collider, Schmoes, Screen Junkies. If there is an internet news outlet that reports on entertainment, I have probably been on camera for them. Hell yeah. Uh, you might know me, Emma, from uh, Funimation, from Nerdist, and from primarily from being at BuzzFeed for three years. I also have an anime show on Gamma Ray TV. I've also been on Collider Games and uh, Freeform TV now and again. Let's tell the people what this podcast is about. Yeah, so... You know, why Why should people okay. listen to this podcast out of the multitude, the ocean, the universes of podcasts? Okay, well, let's, let's start perhaps with a little story uh, about how this podcast <laughs> came to be. Mm. Uh, so I was perusing Twitter, uh, as one is wont to do. And I came across a tweet by our mutual friend, uh, Danny Fernandez, who is, you know, like show running or or she sold a show to HBO max. So not a big deal or anything like that. And is writing on Netflix. Exactly. So, you know, she's just, she's, she's doing okay. (laughs) Shall we say (laughs) Danny is somebody that likes to be very, uh, open about stuff in her life. Uh, and she had basically had this tweet that said, oh, you know, don't at me about X, Y, and Z. Oh, unless you're going to send me good Vegeta and Bulma Dojinshi, in which case, please send it to me. And I went, um, hi, I want people to send that to me too. Because I feel like when you mutually discover that somebody else is into Dojinshi, it's, anime is one thing. I think that more so nowadays, anime and manga is, is coming more into the mainstream. Absolutely. But when you find out that people are into those deep cuts, searching <laughs> searching the dark web for some some good illustrated butts. Just being, just being <laughs> out and proud about it, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I was just, I was so excited to see that she had so openly talked about that. And yeah. then I responded to her and you chimed in as well and said, I want to do a doujinshi podcast. And to me, that was, uh, yes, I absolutely want to do that. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for crediting me. Um, You're welcome. But um, I'm so I'm so honored to be doing this with you. And yeah, like this is pretty much going to be about just celebrating ships because we, uh, me being the Virgo that I am, <laughs> I, I did a lot of Googling and I was like, hmm, there really aren't that many podcasts like dedicated to ships. In yeah. anime especially. Yeah, there's there's like shipping podcasts where it's sort of a game of, okay, it's this character and this character and you have to justify shipping them or whatever it is. But in terms of exploring different established ships that people are into, whether they're popular ones or rare pairs, right. if you will, mm. uh, it's, it is it is kind of a, a, a vast desert of of nothingness with just a couple little oases. Is that the, is that the correct plural of oasis? I, I love, well, I, I mean, I was just reeling about the whole desert um, metaphor. So it's Oh, fine. thank you so much. It's great. Yes. Uh, poetry in motion. So, <laughs> uh, Emma, what was the first muddy fan fiction that, or doujin that you've read? Okay. So, um, let's see. I think the first one that I ever 
read. Oh, I know exactly what the first one I ever read was. Okay. So as, as we get deeper into the show, we'll cover a bunch of different terms that come up repeatedly when you're reading fan fiction or doujinshi that you yes. might see in tags, et cetera, et cetera. So if this isn't making sense to you right now, stick with us. It'll be explored thoroughly. It'll in be all right, episodes. kids. It'll be all right. Um, but uh, so of course, a lot of the time when people are starting out in the fan fiction world, particularly women, I think, you start in the realm of the Mary Sue, which mm. is basically a, uh, it's, it is a self-insert character yes. most of the time, yes. even when it's not, you know what I mean? Sure. Like sure. an author might just say, this is my original character, but really what is it? It is, is you're projecting yourself onto that character. Right. Like think, think about kind of like the, the persona protagonist, yeah. right? Like there's, they're a Mary Sue because you just speak through them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but, but a Mary Sue character, and it, it comes from an old Star Trek fan fiction, actually, right. where it was like a Lieutenant Mary Sue or something mm, like that. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's where Mary Sue came from. Um, and and for the most part, and, and there's the male versions as well. They usually call them like Gary Stews. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, uh, just because it rhymes. But, yeah. but basically, it is a character who is a little too perfect. Like, they don't really have any flaws. Right. Or if they have flaws, it's kind of like the generic strong female character of, yeah she's really stubborn or something right along the, those lines the, the term that i've used in the past among my circles is meat sack <laughs> yeah yeah that makes <laughs> sense um but anyway so the the first uh smutty fan fiction i ever read was <laughs> It was a Ronin Warriors fan fiction. Oh, uh, or yes. your, or your Ronin Samurai Troopers, uh, okay. as it was called in Japan. And you can now actually watch Samurai Troopers. It's all on. It was all on Crunchyroll, but it's now all on Amazon Prime. Weirdly enough, uh, but I watched it on Toonami as Ronin Warriors, basically. Um, and uh, I was reading. I was kind of going down the archives of the old, probably fanfiction.net <laughs> days. And I read one that it, so in that show, there's not a whole lot of women characters. So basically this fanfic that I read was a, it was like a whole mansion full of Mary Sue's. Nice. <laughs> and it was a multi-chapter kind of thing. So I didn't really know what I was getting into. But then like I got to a scene where there was one girl in the house who was sort of the bad girl, the more sexually promiscuous one, uh, who was hooking up with Kento, the guy that wears the orange armor right. in Ronin Warriors, yeah. and like full on described a blowjob. And I was like, I don't Whoa. know if I should be <laughs> reading this, but obviously I kept reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that was definitely the first uh, smutty fanfic I ever read. Uh, and then I also in that same sort of bread threadsome uh like sailor moon crossovers with ronin warriors yeah oh i love there's it. five and five i mean at the at the time it was basically five and five because we hadn't gotten any of the sailor moon s or supers or we didn't even get stars until a couple years ago here really officially so yeah listen i i love a good crossover yes in whatever form official yes, or not 100%. official percent uh and then as far as dojin goes I think the first one I ever read was, did you ever play that game, uh, Ragnarok Online? Yeah, of course I did. Of course. So what for whatever reason, when that came out, there was a ton of like very male gazy kind of tentacle right. hentai kind of stuff. So that was definitely the first like uh, sexy version I ever read. Fortuitous. Just straight, straight to tentacle porn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? 
Got to dive yeah. right in. Gotta what dive about right you, in. Chris? Hmm, I would say that I'm a, okay. I have to say I'm a, I'm usually a very like visually simulated person, sure. and, and so I think the only fanfics that I've actually read were of um. I was checking out like Phoenix and Edgeworth, I believe. Okay. From Phoenix, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> because I mean, they're both very beautiful. Very beautiful. Very attractive. Um, the Dojin that I read, I that this was probably quite a few years before I found um, like text fan fiction. Sure. Um, I believe. Hmm, I want to give a less basic answer, but it is. Hey, be basic. Yeah, but it, be basic and I proud mean, of it. it's. It's not safe for weep, so I guess yeah. We yeah, exactly. Basic. So, um, it was it was a Narusaso dojo. <laughs> of course, I mean, they're out there. Yeah, I mean, they're easy to find. Like, I think it was. I think like a lot of people gravitated towards it. Not, you know, not just because they kissed in sure the first episode, right? One of the first mm, episodes. One of the first episodes. Uh, yeah, and um, but I I I just wanted like them to just make peace with each other faster yeah, you know because yeah. it literally took 200 episodes for them to make peace with each other yeah it's true um the the doujin that like i remember reading after that though, was uh iruha and naruto um, amazing i i en- i enjoy a good teacher student um story sometimes <laughs> yep like i said go yep. in, go and diving right in just first. just just a head first. Yeah. Like not dipping a toe in. Just yep. get in there. Yep. Uh and uh do you have you written fan fiction before? Have you uh do you have a first smutty fanfic? <gasps> well, you want to, again to have the most basic of answers. Oh. So uh one of the first things, like pieces of fiction I consumed where I can remember really actively getting into shipping. And it is the most basic of answers, but it's Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> between? Between Cloud and Tifa. Great. Yeah. Because that that scene, and this is spoilers for Final Fantasy VII. So, you know, if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII, what is wrong with yeah, you? Sorry uh, that you haven't played it in like 10 years. Exactly. So sorry. But, and of course, like, I'm that kind of person that like, I love to go on these deep research binges. So basically in the game, there's a scene, uh, uh, towards the end of the second disc where you're about to go into the like final boss dungeon basically yes, yes. and everybody goes away for a little while except right. Cloud and Tifa who stay behind at the high wind. Right. And then there's that scene between the two of them like down on the ground. So, you know, I just like wrote what I assumed we didn't see. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and the original uh, script of the game had a different scene afterwards like it, it was more. Oh, you're uh, very su- serious about was, your research. Oh yeah, I'm very serious about my research. It was more suggestive that they had indeed hooked up. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, yeah. right? Like, what other reason would two grown grown Adults. people be people be like, hey, so like, let's go off. Yeah. And have private time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one has private time just to be like, hey, <laughs> you know, really hope that we <laughs> really hope make things it out. work out for yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, especially when you think you're about to die, probably. Like, come on. You're going to you're, you're gonna, gonna bone. You're going to have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever write any uh, smutty fan fiction? Um, I can't say that I have, like, until recently, actually. Yeah. Like, it, it was really one of those things where I was just so embarrassed to, to like, create for myself. And, yeah. And, um, 
I think just in general, I was very afraid and like unsure of my ability to write something good. And me, again, being a Virgo, I have a tendency of being like, well, if I can't do it well on the first try, why even try? Um, (laughs) But but um, thankfully, from listening to Thirst Aid Kit, shout out to Thirst Aid Kit, because um, they uh, are kind of like an inspiration to us. Um, I did write my (laughs) this was this. It's not an anime fan fiction, but I I wrote a fan fiction between me and John Cho. <laughs> oh my god! And it was great. It it, it wasn't it, it it wasn't even that smutty. It was it was yeah. just like sweet and and like suggestive. Yeah. It was the foreplay part. I, I tend to write what I think Ao3 or Archive of Our Own, which is a big fan fiction yes, mecca, yes. would classify as mature rather than explicit. Like yes. the way I write, it's very obvious that characters are having sex, but it's not like I'm spending hours describing dicks. Right. I mean I mean like <laughs> I mean like there really isn't that much fun to like no. just reading about like oh he put his thing in the thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I I also agree with you. I think that's kind of an agreement that we've had like for this podcast is just like right. when we like we don't need to talk about like no i mean we're we're discussing explicit material but we're not giving you a play by play of what's going on that's not really interesting to no, me no it's not yeah it's i think it's more about like exploring these various ship dynamics that come up in the the um pieces of work that we're talking about how true they are to canon and like what you're getting out of them as a fan, because that's that I think is is a big thing about like why we create this kind of stuff. Yeah, be it be it of the you know pornographic variety or not, uh, or even just the mature content or not. It's creating fan works serves like a really big purpose, I think, in fandom and also just in like the your development as a human being. Ab- absolutely, like I was about to say that I think that this is actually a very healthy way of expressing desire, yeah. especially amongst, um, not to go off of stereotypes, but you know, no, yeah. with, with, with weebs, I, most of us, we tend to not have felt very attractive when we were growing up. Yeah. I definitely didn't. Um, and, and like, it's, it's, it's nice to have like a safe, a safe place or a safe medium to, to, yeah, to express yourself with. Yeah. And also I, I think, you know, a big part of it, for me as a young woman, as a, as a teenager yes. coming into womanhood, if you will, uh, it, a lot of it for me was like about exploring my own sexuality yeah. in a really safe, good way. Yeah. I've been watching uh, a lot of uh, the Netflix show Sex Education. I don't know if you've yeah. watched it. No, it's, it's great. Amazing. I wish I had had a me show too. like oh that when I was me a too. teen because it's just a super realistic portrayal of teenagers they're mostly nice to each other. When they're mean to each other, you understand their motivation for being mean to each other, even if it's stupid because they're teens, so sometimes it's stupid. Uh, and just how openly they talk about like human sexuality on it. And obviously a lot of that is anchored in Gillian Anderson's character, who is a sex therapist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's such a good way to like get to know yourself so that when you are in a situation where you are getting involved with somebody sexually, like you don't feel as, I I think, I don't want to say you don't feel as vulnerable because obviously it's a very vulnerable thing. Yes. 
but there is a level of, okay, like I've thought about this before. I've sorted through this. I have an idea of what my boundaries are. Right. Yeah. So yeah, again, uh, fan works. They're good for you. You should write fan fiction. You should read fan fiction. You should read Dojinshi because it's fun. So Chris, before we get into sort of the meat of what our podcast is going to be about, I think we need to talk about what Dojinshi actually is. Yes, that's very true because a lot of people, you know, we, we want to be very inclusive of people yes. in, wherever they are in how um how deep they are into the fandom world yeah how how deep they are in this pool yes this ocean it is a it is a deep deep ocean it's an ocean in fact we're probably not even in the deepest depths of the ocean ourselves it's like star ocean ocean (laughs) oh my god now i want to do some star ocean shit let's do it um (laughs) uh yeah so we tend to think of it as mostly comics and manga but doujinshi just refers to any self-published work including magazines, light novels, and even novel novels. <laughs> um, and it's usually the work of amateurs, i.e. you and me. Yep. Um, though uh, sometimes pros participate as well as a means of publishing work that they couldn't within the regular industry, right? Right, absolutely. I mean, it's not certainly universally true that all doujinshi is uh, adult in nature, but... Certainly there are creators out there, be they animators or other mangaka, that do publish doujinshi so they can get into some kind of sexy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think of it as like fan art, but like a lot more intense yeah. and with words. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and doujinshi is usually like created by groups of creators who yes. refer to themselves as doujinshi circles. Ooh. And sometimes those, well, it's kind of like... Uh, the fan subbing groups. So Crunchyroll, big distributor of anime, uh, they started off as like a fan subbing group, but right, then they now they professionally distribute a ton of anime. The same thing sometimes happens with doujinshi circles. If any of you guys are familiar uh, with the uh, manga ka collection of manga ka or manga creators, manga ka is because usually manga is like written and illustrated by the same person. Um, it's unusual for there to be separate artists and writers, even though that is the standard practice in like Western comics. But sometimes you do have like groups of creators that work together. Uh, a famous example, of course, being Clamp, uh, who started off as a Toshinshi circle. They <laughs> bringing it back to uh, Samurai Troopers or uh, Ronin Warriors. They definitely made some Samurai Troopers Toshinshi, as well as um, oh Devil Man. Oh my God, they had oh like, that's right. Yeah, they had some Devil Man Toshinshi uh, that is pretty. <laughs> it's, it's wild. And, and you know, look at them now. Look um, at them now. And 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 also like. Couldn't we argue that like um, that Tsubasa Chronicles is technically like a doujin of their past works? Technically, yeah. Right? I mean, it's just a collection of they brought in characters from their past works and put them in an alternate universe. Pretty yeah. doujin to me. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so the the way that doujinshi gets distributed is interesting because it's mostly distributed just at doujinshi conventions right um the largest of which is comiket which is short for comic market which, which takes place every uh winter and summer in tokyo's big site yes which you might be familiar with if you have watched lucky star at one point yeah yeah there's a lot of anime that that kind of references this whole phenomenon of of the sort of doujinshi market right specifically the the type of anime that 
supposedly take place in the real world. Exactly. Um, at Comiket, uh, over 81,000 square meters of doujinshi are bought, sold, and traded. Um, <laughs> now, artists who are publishing work based on existing materials tend to publish it in very, very small batches so that they can maintain a low profile and not get hit with uh, legal allegations right. for using stuff that they don't have the license to. Um, and so popular artists' work uh, will sell out very, very fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, creating doujinshi, which is derivative of existing properties, has been a popular practice since the 1980s, even though it's in direct violation of Japanese copyright <laughs> law. But copyright holders tend to take kind of like an elective non-enforcement policy towards it. Right, which is which I would say is kind of the same way that it works with like... Oh, yeah, like most Artist fan Alley, art in, in fan West, art. Yeah, yeah. Western. and that's the thing is like doujinshi, once again refers to any self-published work. So if you have a self-published art book, even though we tend to think of it as being comics, a, a collection of artwork is also doujinshi. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were to publish your fan fiction, that would be considered, in, in a way that people could purchase it, that would be considered doujinshi. That's part of why it's kind of hard to get this stuff legally online right like I, I would love it if there was a way that you could effectively get digital copies of this Japanese doujinshi because I would absolutely pay money for it because international shipping costs are pretty extreme right and um, you know supporting the artists and, totally. and, and, and you know like like you know the really good doujinshi obviously like, it takes a lot of work and training to absolutely like, make good stories yeah. and to make good art but if you start getting into the world of digital distribution, then that kind of crosses over the line into mass market distribution. Absolutely. At which point the publishers who own the license or copyright to the original source material, they have grounds to kind of persecute you. So Yeah, like I, I don't know if we'd consider like certain like a video game media, a doujinshi, but like that's uh, that kind of makes me think about you know Pokemon Uranium when it came out. Sure, um, yeah. Uh, but but um, this also makes me think about how um, this is very similar to like fan art. I mean, it crosses over with fan art in a way because it's a great way for artists to kind of like build a following absolutely you know, by using you know original non totally. non-original characters right because you're attracting something that has an existing fan base and that is part of the reason why these publishers and people that own the copyright to these materials largely ignore these doujinshi artists right because they're like well it gives those would-be mangaka a chance to practice right and also to build a bit of a following and it is pretty common for the really good doujinshi creators to get the like go ahead and the licensing and the money to then create their own stuff exactly so, yeah that's that's part of the beauty of yeah. creating fan work so once again Doujinshi does not have to be based on something that exists. It just so happens that a lot of it does. Right. Um, there's also this very incorrect Western perception that it is all number one based on existing properties mm. uh, and that it is all uh, of a of a varying degrees of pornographic nature, <laughs> <laughs> um, which just isn't right, though, unfortunately or fortunately with this podcast. Right. We're right. sort of perpetuating that idea because largely eh, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Yeah. But there's a lot of doujinshi that's pretty pure. Ryan, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be covering some of that too, but you know, we're, we're here to talk about the stuff that you can't put in the main storyline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Do you want to move on to just talk about how how like the things podcast. are gonna work? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, so basically the whole idea behind the podcast is you know it's gonna be the two of us, uh, and then sometimes we will have uh, guests, friends of ours who are also weebs and into this weird little fan works world that we are, uh, or, or forced into this <laughs> fan works world by us. <laughs> forced is not correct, but, but, you know, express in, have expressed like a curiosity about it, even if they're not necessarily like actively into it right now. We will hold their hand as we jump off the deep end with Yes, them. <laughs> absolutely. No, it's super fun. And, and for me too, like this is, this is going just slightly off topic for a second, but like, I'm excited about this podcast. Like, connecting me to more people that have more resources for finding doujinshi <laughs> because it's there but you got to dig for it a little bit that's really uh, what this podcast is for it's the really both of us. it's really just so i can expand my personal yeah. doujinshi database um, yeah you know i have like a gig left on my computer yeah I can, absolutely i got this and especially if you know any creators that uh have like sites to sell their product digitally please like send me to it i would love to support them yes um but anyway uh uh, yeah, so we're, we're basically going to be talking about, uh, different series, different ships. We'll break down whatever ship it is that we are covering some fan works material on that episode. Uh, and yeah, just kind of, kind of get into why we, or whoever our guest is, cause they're, they get to choose which ones they're going to do, yes. why they're into whatever ship it is, why people might ship those particular characters because usually even the rare pairs don't come out of nothing yeah yeah they usually make some type of sense and yeah so we're going to be talking about the yeah the series the ship then uh we're going to hopefully uh get into like um, a doujinshi or two about that particular (laughs) ship and then we're going to be reading our mini fanfics yes which i am actually so excited I am about. so excited oh about it God. too yeah full full disclosure uh we are we're block recording these so we're actually doing two more episodes today so Chris and I have both yeah. already written other we've already written fan fiction for this podcast not that I'm, this is a competition but I'm gonna win so mm, um, I don't know about that I don't know <laughs> mine are pretty good pretty happy with them <laughs> uh, yeah but uh one of the things too uh that especially because we are at least for the first season of the show, primarily staying in the realm of anime and manga uh, and Japanese video games, which is very much adjacent to that. Yes. Uh, Something that comes up a lot in anime are character archetypes. Absolutely. And therefore, we see a lot of the same thing happening with ship dynamics, where every ship dynamic, for the most part, fits into a bit of an archetype. Exactly. So we're going to spend the rest of this episode discussing what some of those archetypes are, so that going forward, we can attempt to classify all of the ships that we are talking about as one or more of those archetypes. Right. So just to let everybody know, um, I'm... Hoping that you can see right now that this episode is labeled as episode zero. Um, This is kind of like our intro episode. I wouldn't really call it like a pilot episode per se. Because this is just kind of like a primer type episode as to not just why we're here. But also um, a good reference point. Hopefully in future episodes we will point people back to this episode. So that way if uh, they're not familiar with these particular archetypes, even though they're, they're pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, they're pretty self-explanatory. Um, you can refer back to this and you can be up to speed in no time at all. Basically, uh, we want to first off credit all of these archetypes to Lee Chi Doodles on Tumblr for the inspiration for, for this section. They're um, amazing. If you have not seen it, like go, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to like link you guys yeah. to 
her stuff because it's it's really brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's very simple doodles, but like they're also very, very well drawn, con- conceptually very strong. Um, I found this on an anime Facebook group because uh, that's how I roll. Yeah, let's let's dive right into let's it. Also, dive in. I want to just very quickly acknowledge that there is going to be overlap between some of these archetypes, especially when it comes to talking about characters specifically. If the examples that we're listing doesn't exactly fit the archetype that you're thinking about, I'm really sorry. Um, characters are complicated. Yeah, yeah. Their characters are, are more complicated than we're making them out to be right now. Right. But right now we are just going to strip it all down to the basics and yeah. dive into uh, the 10 ship dynamic archetypes. Yes. Uh, starting with number one, which is the idiot slash idiot in progress. Uh, the way I sort of define this is, is like one person is dumb and the, the other person just becomes dumber by association. Exactly. Being with them. Um, it's, it's very much like a, yeah, they're, they're dumb, but like, I can't help but like that they're dumb. Yeah. There's, there's a very, there's a cuteness factor to it. Totally. Yes. Uh, yeah. So an example that I immediately thought of was uh, Usagi and Ray from Sailor, Sailor Moon. Moon. Yeah, for sure. Or Usagi and Minako a little bit. Absolutely. Minako, Minako's like, I don't know. She's kind of dumb like a fox. Yeah, I, think. I, I feel like Usagi and Minako are like just idiot and idiot. Oh, no. I meant, so I meant Ray and Minako. Oh, sorry. Which yes, like, yes. I, That's I like Raynako is a big ship of mine. I, right. I really love that ship, uh, particularly in Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, the live action Sailor Moon. Yes. Oh, oh. It's like basically canon. <laughs> we had, we'll do a Raynako episode later. I just, <laughs> I, I just was reminded how much I love that ship. But yeah, totally. Love that. Love yep. that. Um, I also listed Naruto and Sakura to a degree. Yeah, a little, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's pretty dumb. I also think a very easy one would be the Warden and Alistair from Dragon Age. Because mm. um, I don't really know how, what other way to define <laughs> Alistair in yeah. Dragon Age besides an idiot. Sure. Like, he's a very smart mouth idiot, which I which is why everyone loves him mm-hmm. so much. The second one that we have is Cinnabon times Hothead. This is basically, like, I would say it's basically like the idiot in a way. Yeah. Like, like, it's not about, like, being dumb, though. It's just about no. being, like, very sweet. Yeah, and it's it's not even necessarily about being super pure because I think that that is something that, that needs to be established with this one because I was thinking about a ship that we're covering in a later episode. And I went, no, I think this is the right ship archetype that they fit into because both characters are pretty like masculine and assertive and strong. So it, but you can still have a character that is really sweet. That is also those things. Absolutely. And that makes it super interesting actually. Uh, but yes, the, the key is, is that one person in this relationship, they just, they do not think about their actions. They just go, they say what's ever on their mind. They punch everything. Cinnabon hothead. Yes. <laughs> so some uh, examples of this uh, and spoilers, this is one that we're covering that I was thinking about is, uh, is like Kirishima and Bakugo. I mean, how could we not? From My Hero Academia. I mean, how could we not cover that ship? Number one. <laughs> but that was the one that I was, I, it took me a little while when, but I realized I was like, oh no, this this is a, a Cinnabon hothead ship for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one that I listed was uh, this is a little bit of a deep cut for maybe some people. Oh. Is is uh, Negi and uh, Asuna from the Negima series? I am not familiar with that. It has very good art. It's okay. It's a little bit on the etchy side, but because it has like magic and many many girls. <laughs> um, 
so many girls. You know, I'm the type of person where like, I'm like, okay, sure. It's etchy, but like all the girls are like really badass. So like it's, it's, I will put up with the panty shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not like a hentai though at all. It's, 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 it's just, just kind of like, itchy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Asuna is, is a major hothead. Like her, her whole shtick is also like just hitting, hitting things with her weapon until it goes away. Uh, and then Negi is just like, you know, a very pure kind of too young to be dating any of these girls type of person. <laughs> got it. Got it. I understand. But but he's, you the know, good he, old harem anime. Yeah. But but he's also, you know, like very like forthright and very honest and very, you know, hardworking. Like, yeah, he's he's one of those like, oh, I'm like a young prodigy and I have enough credentials to be a professor, even though I'm a teen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that that in that this is a a ship type that comes up quite a lot in harem anime as well as the third archetype which is the uh delinquent slash oblivious nerd or ex-oblivious nerd i don't know how to how to <laughs> the cross symbol it's, it's right. an x it's an yeah. x you know what we're talking about you've seen it before if you've ever like googled a ship tag yeah um uh which is exactly as it sounds it's it's the i i beat everybody up and I I love you and the nerd is like what I don't understand right I mean this literally like I talked about sex education earlier this literally happens in right. sex education like you see this exact <laughs> dynamic play out to the two characters being in detention and hooking up like it's great yeah um but yeah I mean some some examples more on in the sort of anime manga sphere uh of, of course the uh bakugo and deku would certainly fall into this category i would say so yeah i would say so yeah if you're gonna ship those two that this is definitely it it's just because bakugo has so much anger and, and deku's just like i just want to be friends and i don't know if you have like a different category to put the ship under but like i the closest that I could come was Phoenix and Edgeworth for this one. Mm. Um, like I don't like Edgeworth isn't the type of person that's like physical per se, but no. like but Edgeworth does have a lot of trouble expressing his feelings. Yes, that's really what it is. It's a, it's about people having issues expressing their feelings. Right. Yeah. Which is very cute, but also learn to communicate. In learn real to life. communicate. Yep. Uh, and then of, of course uh, everybody's favorite later season Sailor Moon ship, uh, Seiya and Usagi. Is it everyone's favorite? I, there's a lot of people that are really into that ship. I, res I, I respect it. I, I watched it in a, in a vacuum, so I have no idea, like, who approved of, who liked it and who didn't. Yeah, I remember, like, in my early days of, of exploring the internet for fan stuff, that coming up quite right. a lot, actually. But also, to everyone else's credit, they pushed it very hard. They did push it really hard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't have to look hard to understand why people would ship that yeah let's put it that way i mean i kind of like say more than mamaru but that's a discussion for another day another day we'll save that for another <laughs> day <laughs> all right for now we will move on to our next ship which is proud x shy yeah now this one i think i had a little bit of a harder time finding. yeah i had a little bit of a harder time with this one too maybe it's just i, I think too that as as a person you gravitate towards certain ships, which I'm sure we will start to dissect as we get deeper into this podcast. But I just think that this is not a ship that I'm ship dynamic I'm necessarily into. Sure, and and I I, uh, I think what is also difficult is that I think that this ship actually kind of overlaps a lot with Idiot and Idiot in Progress, to be honest, mm. because idiots are usually loud and yeah. uh, 
and um and uh it also might mix into like some the other ships that we're about to talk about but um i when i was thinking about ones for this one i was definitely wondering like, oh is that one prouder shower is that one idiot and idiot yeah. in progress because like they're both kind of the same um because like i also feel like like i put down narusasu for this one mm-hmm. but like yeah I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, mm, yeah, this is the one I have the hardest time with. Maybe, again, maybe I just don't gravitate towards yeah. this ship. So I don't necessarily recognize it when it's happening. Right. Like, and, and also for some reason, like when I think of like proud people that are, cause, cause the, the, the drawing that we have here is like, you know, someone that is like shouting to the world, like, Oh, I'm in love with so-and-so. And the shy person is like, Oh, stop talking. I don't want, I don't want attention. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't see, I actually don't see a lot of proud people mixed with, shy people i see proud people mixed with like dry people you know yes Be- because i i immediately thought of like oh proud like someone that that talks a lot and like like is like idiotically right. announces their love for someone right. like oh well like tamaki from Oran oh Oran high yeah school. from Oran high school Host but, Club. But, but 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 haruhi is not necessarily shy yeah but i think that would fall into this sure. category yeah it does have a little bit of idiot and idiot in progress but i don't think that she gets dumber for Fair. being with him so Fair. i i would you know what i would put that in this category okay i would i would i'll take it we I'll sorted take it. it out i'll take i'll <laughs> like take it. this victory i'll take yes. this victory um yeah and uh, i also put down to- tobio and shoyo from haikyuu <laughs> i'm again yeah. i think this could be this could go back and forth i saw a lot of people put haikyuu in like literally every single <laughs> amazing like, every single category in the comment section yeah. on the facebook i'm just i'm i'm trying to think in terms of <laughs> fire emblem because again it's like first and foremost on my mind but, yeah yeah but it's like anyone who's sort of shy like a bernadetta yeah. ferdinand or right. something which like is certainly not a ship that i'm into at all <laughs> but if you did ship them and the thing that's great about fire emblem is basically all you your ships ship are valid yeah. they're all valid you can make them all happen for the most part i mean they all basically like the canon is basically they just all flirt with each other and we just see what happens. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, if you if you were like if like a Ferdinand and a Bernadetta, I would yeah. say would be in this category. I would or say so. Literally anybody in Bernadetta because she's just she's a disaster. And anybody's proud in comparison to her. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um yeah. So let's move on to the next one. Yeah, number five is uh the kind giant uh and the small bundle of energy. I my the bundle of energy part is a little like not quite because he's more of like a pure sweet boy. But one of my favorite uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses ship is Dedu Ash. Yes, no, I which I, like if you want to talk about kind giant, like Dedu fits that archetype perfectly. Abs- absolutely, yeah. Um, like I definitely saw this and I was like, oh well, what about um, what what, what was the name the, the the other giant that likes to eat? Oh, Raphael. Yes, thank you. Raphael. But but I, I do think that, that when we talk about the kind giant archetype, we mostly think about how, like, they're big and more quiet yeah. than Raphael. Even yeah. though, like, I'm, like, I, if yeah. you want to put Raphael in this, that's great. That's but, like, totally great. But, like, what, I think we ha- we're on the same wavelength about yes. this. Um, and I will argue for you for the whole small bundle of energy for, <laughs> for Ash, Ash. Ashley, because, okay. you know, we've seen a lot of his interactions where he gets really excited about certain things. That's right? true. He's super nerdy about, um, night, night stories. Oh and yeah. Hero you stories. know what? You're right. You're talking me into this. Right. And like, I, like, I definitely found that the most charming part about him. Yeah. Was, like, kind of. I, swear, I have to yeah. tell you, I like basically all of Ash's support conversations. Yeah. yeah no, they're great. Kind of ship him with anyone. <laughs> like, he's so great. He's super shippable. He's, he's very, he's very, very sweet. <laughs> Yeah. 
He's a good boy, Ash. Yeah. So it's a very like, I don't know if it's the opposite. It's not an opposite attract situation. It's just like, it's very, there's something very cute about seeing like a, a bigger person yeah. with a with with a smaller person and they kind of balance each other out in terms of energy level. Totally. Uh moving on to number 6, the pure but shady and scary but sweet. Okay, I this is one of my favorite ones. Okay. Um it's it's very hard to find though because you know there's a lot of like you have to really find the right combination of, yeah. par- of, of characteristics in it, you know, like it's not like a it's not as simple because you need someone that's like pretty layered, right? Yes. Um, or you know, you can just pretend that you know, a someone very sweet is actually you know a sadist or something. Yeah, but, totally, know, totally. Um, I like that. I, um, I think this is one too that that comes up, not even necessarily canonically, but when people are creating fan works where they give those characters that seem very pure uh, a like dark sadistic right. side. Um. I, it's funny because I also have seen a lot of people in my circles in real life, mm. like a lot of couples in, in my life, identifying with this one the most. Amazing. Um, so I immediately thought of Soma and Ishiki from Food Wars. Yes. Um, oh, my God. Thank you. That's for, perfect. Thank you for your validation. I'm, yes. I, I'm very proud of myself. Um, yeah. So Soma would be the one that's pure but shady because, you know, like so like Soma's like, you know, He's, he's like a jovial, yeah, rela- relatable main a, character. I actually really like Soma a lot as a shonen protagonist because he is secretly layered. Yeah. Like he grows and changes. Right. And but yeah, it's true. Like he seems like real sweet and great on the outside, but then there's he's conniving on the inside. Yeah. Like there's something going on there. Yeah, and like he he throws like really good one-liners sometimes. Yep. Yep. Um, and like, oh my god, Ishiki. He he teeters between scary and sweet mm-hmm, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember. Like, to this day, I still go back on YouTube and I still watch the scene from the final Shokugeki mm. where, where where he's like, I think I'm going to be serious about crushing you now. Yeah. And, and, and you just see, like, his expression drop. Yep. And he, yep. He, he goes into, like, serious mode and, like, it's very scary but also really hot. I was kind of trying to think if one of my other big awakening ships sort of yes. fits into this category, which is Lissa and Longku. Absolutely. Because she... Like seems like she's a real sweet and innocent kind of girl, but she th- there's something going on in her head. Yeah, for sure. Like some right. of her supports are very conniving. Right. Um. And like um, I I, I wonder if like I would also say like maybe Sylvain and um Felix maybe mm, would fit the ship pretty well. Maybe they. W- I know. I was trying to figure out where to fit them in because that's my like main three houses ship. Right. I love that ship because I think because I think Felix is definitely scary but sweet. Yeah, you know who also like might uh, actually fit this ship uh-huh. is Claude and Violet. Absolutely, I'm realizing that no, that's 100 percent where this fits. Yes, yes, yes. Dang, that's great. Yes. Oh my god. Yes, the because think he's about it. he's totally pure but shady, and she's scary but sweet. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Expression. Violet totally. is basically expression. She's yeah. She has like no expression, but she like really is caring. Right. And it's yeah. weird because like the most, <laughs> the most or he, it doesn't matter. Right. The most expression that Byleth shows is like when they're invited to smash. I know. <laughs> no, in the Golden Deer route, no, they I'm smile kidding, I'm joking, sometimes, I'm but still. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Claude is actually a, a very frightening person to yes, me. Yes, he is a very frightening person. And I don't like the way that he's dumbed down in Fire Emblem memes yes. just because he's not actively involved in the feud between the kingdom and the empire. Everyone that thinks Claude is dumb clearly has no. not played his route. No, because like he's like he always has. I mean, they, you, they, 
it says it in the beginning of the game, right? Like, oh, he has a smile on his face. But it doesn't reach his eyes. Exactly. He's always he's always thinking of something. Always thinking. Always thinking. All uh, right. So right. let's go to the seventh one, the which seventh is one. Uh, Virtuous Ray of Sunshine and Ex-Bad Boy. I'm sure a lot of people love this one. Oh, people are super into this one. And the first example you wrote down is <laughs> Letter Perfect. Thank you. It's it's Requin Sora because, of course, it is. Of course. Um, I mean, like, it's, yeah, I, I feel like it's. Riku XOR is like its own archetype at, at this point. Um, yeah, Riku having been, you know, come from the darkness, but also like he still is able to wield his darkness powers. That's very hot. Yep. Um, and Sora just being, I mean, like Sora, Sora fits in a bunch of these categories. He's a, he's an idiot. He's a Cinnabon. He, he's all of the He's above. proud. He's yeah. a small bundle of energy. Um, we can't put him in, in that category though. Cause you know, Riku's not bigger than him that much, yeah. but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just very sweet. And and uh, I love a good ex bad boy. Let's go to number eight, shall we? Yes. Or did you want to keep going? Let's. No, cool. I'm good. All right. <laughs> Let's go to number eight, which is shy and emotional dork. I realize. I think I'm just not that into shy characters. Hmm. I think for me, it's it's just like, well, yeah, they're shy at first, but then they yes. open up, and so I don't remember them being shy anymore. Right. <laughs> you know what? You know what I think sort of fits into this category and it's this is so specific but in the new uh the so basically Sarah Mew which are the Sailor Moon musicals have been going on forever they've yes. been going on for years um and in 2014 they started doing new ones and it was like Takarazuka so all of the roles were played by women right that's basically what Takarazuka is it's yes. reverse Shakespeare in Shakespeare's time all the roles were played by men right. Takarazuka all the roles are played by women oh, love it uh but in in the first one uh which I'm totally blanking on the name of but the first one real great loved it La Rey Conquista that's what it is did mm. on you La Rey Conquista uh it covers the first story arc of Sailor Moon and in it they as they did in Sailor Moon Crystal address the idea that it's canonical that in the in the past in the silver millennium that it was a it was a Jane Austen for quintuple wedding uh, <laughs> that all of the inner uh sailor guardians were involved with all of uh Prince Endymion's right. dudes who end up being the Shiteno who are working for um Queen, Queen Barrel yes. in the present day. Yes. So in La Rey Conquista a lot there's like this great storyline about Ami and Zoisite that is so cute that I think fits perfectly into this. Oh yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's only very specifically in that musical. It's not Sailor Moon in general, but in that musical, this this fits it to Love a it. Love it. Uh yes. Yeah, so number nine is the crime fighting duo, which is people who fight crime right together. that's pretty self-explanatory lends itself to shonen definitely 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 lends itself to shonen it's yeah. a little bit it's it's i would call it the the crime fighting duo also like battle couple absolutely um yeah i i really like this drawing too it, it was basically just a drawing of like yeah you know like you need to rest and whatever and you know both of them are like bleeding out yes and, it's and great. the other one's like shut up i'm not leaving you um which you know i'm sure that moment has occurred in many an anime. Yes. And has bloomed a lot of ships. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or canonically is that I mean, I, I the first example I think of for this 
which is 100% canon, mm-hmm. is Rio and Dee from Fake. Have you ever read or watched Fake? No. Oh, my God. It's like... I want to it's now. A, it's a Shonen I, um boys love, if those of you who are listening are Oh, I have seen Fake. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Yes. Uh. I remember I was so excited. You just had to tell me it was a show tonight and I would have, I would have remembered. Yeah. When I was able to get that DVD domestically of the OVA, I was like, done, done. (laughs) But yeah, I mean like that right there. Yes, Um, yes, yes. I mean, to a certain extent, if we're also talking like crime and sort of vaguely boys love, um, uh, uh, Ash and AG a little bit from Banana Fish, though I would probably mm. put that more in the Cinnabon and Hothead category. Yeah, again, a lot of overlap. Yeah, a lot of overlap. But there's there's a there's a crime fighting duo energy there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's that exact energy of like you were saying in the drawing of like one of them is bleeding out and it's like I'm not gonna leave you behind kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's totally. very hot. It's very hot when mm-hmm. that happens. Yep. Um, I I also put down like. Uh, Uryu and Ichigo from Bleach, oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I support it. And then, of course, last but not least, uh, number ten, uh, the classic rival X rival. Oh my god! <laughs> Which uh, this just comes up again and again and again. Oh my god! Uh, I mean, I would hope that when every when people hear rival X rival, they immediately think of Kaiba and Yugi. Oh yeah, absolutely. Come on. Like I remember, <laughs> I remember in-, in college, my friends played a drinking game where we just, we, we just, we just watched one episode of Yu-Gi-Oh and we were like, okay, we're all going to take a drink every time they exchange a sexually charged look. Everyone <sighs> was fucking smashed by like minute 15. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I love a good rival X rival. And it's so true. Kaiba and Yugi, they want to bone. It's very clear. It's it's just all sexual tension. Yes. It's just all tension. So much sexual tension. And then another classic, of course, Naruto and Sasuke. Yes. Which again, they I think they fit into a few different categories. But any any one that's like rival X rival, or for example, there's on here, there's not like childhood friends, because the idea is that there's more to those characters than, okay, here's a fact about their past, I think. Right. Like like if you wanted to, you could put Deku and Bakugo in this if you sure, wanted to. Sure, yeah, they would fit into but, this. But they do, but like you said, they do know each other from, from real life. And, and yeah. like, I, I do, like, the the way that we, I think the both of us were thinking about this ship is is kind of like, both mm. people are just very aggro towards each other. Yes. Um, And Deku is definitely not aggro. No, Deku is definitely not aggro. Uh, another one that definitely fits into this category, and I mean, literally is called out that, like, we're rivals, even though only one of them sees them as rivals, they act as though they yes. are, is like, you know, Lance and Keith in Voltron. Oh, oh love that one. Yep. Yep. Oh, so great. Yeah. Um, I would also say, um, I would say Makoto and Haruka. Oh, yeah. Because they, they fought each other before. Yeah. They, there's like, I like that. Yeah. Um, also maybe like we could also do Haruka and Seiya too, if we wanted to, because they were about to fight each other uh-huh. over Michiru. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? I do. Man, I love Haruka and Michiru, though. I'm like, where do, yeah, they, where of course. do, they, where do they fit into this? I know. They're, they're both just, like, effervescent, ethereal. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're, they transcend <laughs> ship archetypes. As they should. As they should. As they should. Yes. So, yeah, that's, again, there are so, so many more examples of this. Uh, again, we were kind of 
working through them as we went through this. I'm sure that those of you listening can think of so many more examples and are, probably were yelling them uh, in your car or wherever you're listening as, as we struggled to come up with more examples. But we don't want to spend too much time uh, on that because we'll really dive into some of the ships that we mentioned as we get into later episodes of the show. The and, meat, if you will. Yeah, and, and start talking about some uh, some sexy, sexy fan works featuring those ships and us technically and us. yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll also we'll also be here so there's that so yeah yeah i think that that about covers it for episode 0 if you made it to the end congratulations we're so thankful for you and uh we can't wait for you to um to go in with a more clear head into the rest of our episodes after yes. you listen to this so hopefully you found this episode uh informative uh and transcendent transcendent you know we we truly strive to be the haruka and michiru of the podcasting yes. world just effervescent be beings that you know rose rose petals cut uh -huh. introduce us There's wherever we go feathers and sparkles <laughs> everywhere yes uh and a combination of violin and piano music be sure to follow us on Twitter at NSFWeebsPod. That is N-S-F, S as in snake, F as in Frank, Weebs Pod. F and S sound the same on the phone. This is something that I have dealt with uh, yes. my entire life, having three Fs in my last name, uh, or alternatively, when you record them into a microphone and transmit them into someone's ears. And you can also email us at nsfweebspod at gmail.com. Also, thank you to my friend Jason Chu for our music. Check Yay. him out on Spotify and iTunes or wherever you get your music. Wherever you get your music. His music is there, and it is very good. I actually fangirled a little bit upon finding out that your friend Jason Chu did a track for one of the end credit sequences in the show Warrior on Cinemax, uh, which I am obsessed with. And I am particularly obsessed with the music that they use in the credits. So. He, he did. He's very talented. He's really uh, good. Show him some love. Check back soon. Uh, undisclosed sort of soon. We're waiting for things to clear with the iTunes store. That's how uh, podcasting works. But uh, very soon we will have our first official episode where we'll get more into the actual format of this podcast featuring a guest, our very good friend, Cheyenne Iwalu, who will be joining us to discuss her favorite Boku no Hero or My Hero Academia ship. Yes, and uh, you we, you should trust that we all know what we're talking about because we all were at the red carpet for the second movie. That is correct. We, we are allowed to say that now because yes, it's we are. It's media. happened. It's done. Um, it's in the world We're now. basically certified My Hero experts yeah. talking about a subject that Funimation told us specifically we could not talk about on the stream. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Fair. Uh, in the meantime, Chris, where can the people find you? People can find me on all social media as One Winged Chris, like One Winged Angel, but One Winged Chris. Fantastic. And I'm at Emma Fife all over the internet, wherever Emma Fifes are sold. Uh, be sure to, you know, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. All that stuff helps us get boosted in the iTunes store. Yes. And uh, we will talk at you all again next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.